Welcome to the Hope Church Memphis podcast. To learn more about Hope, including our worship opportunities, visit HopeChurchMemphis.com. Today's message comes from Senior Associate Pastor Eli Morris. Patty and I are the proud grandparents of five incredible human beings. I know, right? Uh, The two on the edges up top, those are my granddaughters, Tommy and Jessica's daughters that live in Memphis. And then the boys are uh, Avery and Destiny's boys. They live in Portland. And then uh, the supermodel is my wife. That is right there. Uh, Here is one of my most surprising revelations about being a grandparent. There's a lot of walking involved. (laughs) I, I had forgotten that once a child learns to walk, I mean, you gotta chase them, right? Last week I was talking to a friend about running and he asked me, uh, did you run today? I said, no, no, but I walked five or six miles. He said, where, like like the park? I said, no, in the den. (laughs) My granddaughters were at the house. I chased those little jokers all over that room. They chased the cats, I chased them. One of the things I've always loved about hope is the freedom we give one another in here to chase after God, to look for God, to seek him. And I understand this, to be a God chaser is not always popular in the church because to be a God chaser implies that you haven't caught him and most church people don't want other church people to think that they don't have God all wrapped up. Most of us church people like to think we have God all figured out, like like a math problem. I I love this quote uh, from Donald Miller. He writes, I was talking to a homeless man at a laundromat recently, and he said that when we reduce Christian spirituality to math, we defile the holy. First of all, that is a truly profound homeless brother, okay? I thought that was very beautiful, Miller says, and comforting because I've never been very good at math. Many of our attempts to understand Christian faith have only cheapened it. I can no more understand the totality of God than the pancake I made for breakfast understands the complexity of me. A few years ago, I met with a young man in my office to discuss a film project that he was involved in. It was a very, very pleasant meeting, quite quite fascinating, actually. And about 30 minutes in, he says, uh, I'm not a Christian, by the way. He said, I'm, I'm spiritually curious, but I'm probably at best an agnostic. You know, I think he was hesitant to tell me because church for him had historically not been a safe place for him to seek. That has always been disturbing to me. Our our opening text for today is actually an ironic text in light of our subject matter because Moses' God chase was like the easiest chase ever. Exodus 3, beginning verse 4, when the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look at this burning bush, God called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses, do not come any closer, the Lord warned Take off your sandals for you are standing on holy ground. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. When Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. 
So God shows up in a burning bush and calls Moses over to him where he tells him everything he needs to know. I mean, don't we all wish it was that easy? That God fires up a shrub in our yard, calls us over, explains himself to us. It just doesn't much work like that. That's why we have sermons like this, Chronicles of a God Chaser. You probably know what a God Chaser might be, but do you remember from school what a chronicle is? A chronicle, it's an account of an important event in the order of its occurrence, simply. A few years ago, I read a book by Stephen Ambrose called Undaunted Courage. It was the chronicle of the Lewis and Clark Expedition. It was a book out in the 70s called The Right Stuff by Tom Wolfe. It chronicled the Mercury space program. How would your chronicle read in your spiritual journey? That's an interesting thing to consider. So our, our sermon today is, is Chronicles of a God Chaser, but why would we search for God in the first place? You know, I, I thought of about 20 things, but they all ended up falling under the heading of three main reasons. Here's the first one. Many of us search God to find truth. You see, we're, we're curious. I believe that there's an innate curiosity that we are born with. Blaise Pascal was a, a 17th century French mathematician of all things who found faith in Christ and he wrote these words. He says, there is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every man which cannot be filled by any created thing but only by God the creator made known through Jesus. That there is a God-shaped vacuum that can only be filled by God that only his shape properly fills that vacuum, nothing else. No matter what else we try to put in there. I'm about to share with you one of the most intriguing passages in scripture to me. I'm drawn to it because it's a glimpse into how God has constructed me, not my body, but sort of how he has wired my awareness, if that makes sense. The passage is in Romans 1. And Paul has just talked about evil people who suppress the truth. Now listen carefully. Romans 1, 19 and 20. They know the truth about God because he has made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature so they have no excuse for not knowing God. That's interesting, right? God has placed in us an awareness of him. As human beings, we are wired to be aware of him. And that is part of the reason we chase after him. We are simply responding to something within us. Have you, have you ever seen instinctual behavior in animals? They, they do things they have not been taught. They do things they are wired to do. Like infant mammals are wired to nurse. If you have a dog that is a retriever, it's built to retrieve. If you have a border collie, it's, it's built to herd. Birds 
migrate because it's built into them. There's a rat. You didn't know you were coming to church to learn about rat, did you? There's a rat called a kangaroo rat. And it has a jumping instinct built within it. If it hears the rattle of a rattlesnake, it jumps, whether it has ever seen or heard a rattlesnake before. I'm just saying that one of the reasons we are God chasers is that our curiosity about finding the truth of God is a curiosity built within us. So what's another reason we may be a God chaser? Some of us are chasing after God to find help. We've got a need. Listen, we all, we all need help at various times in our lives. I, I have come to believe that life is not something we can do by ourselves. I mean, it can, it can be as simple as a battery jump for our car or as serious as a treatment center for our addiction. But at some point, we need help. But if it is help that is driving the God chaser, the need is not of the jump the battery nature. I, I, I don't need God to jump my battery. I can figure that one out. I need God when no one else or no amount of money can rescue me. And so often that God chaser is a desperate chaser. Desperation leads us to many places and God is one of those places. You read it in Psalm 142. I cry to you, Lord. I say, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Listen to my cry, the psalmist says, for I am in desperate need. Rescue me from those who pursue me, for they are too strong for me. Set me free from my prison, that I may praise your name. Then the righteous will gather about me because of your goodness to me. Set me free from my prison. You in a prison? What might be your, your prison? How many of you have done hard time in prison? Never mind, no, no hands please, okay? Here are a couple of interesting facts about imprisonment in our country. And, 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 and this is not gonna be a political or social commentary, it's just a, a set of facts. I see my dear friend Ernie Hilliard here who is on point for our prison ministry here. Our incarceration rate in the U.S. is the highest in the world. In 2020, there were 2.1 million people behind bars in the United States. Currently, there are 639 inmates for every 100,000 Americans over the age of 18. Again, the highest in the world. I've got a number of friends who have done time, and none of them are particularly excited about going back. That's part of the strategy of incarceration. Take away enough freedom to make a prisoner, to make prison a deterrent to crime. But here's another tragic reality. The Bureau of Justice tracked 404,668 prisoners in 30 states who were released from prison in 2005. Within a year, 56% of those prisoners were rearrested. Within five years, 76% were rearrested. Now you can call those 
people bad people, you can call them evil people, career criminals, and if you did, you'd, you'd probably have a pretty good case for many of them. Here's what I can tell you about them and frankly about many of us. They're chasing the wrong thing and they're caught up in it and it's killing them and it's killing their families and they keep doing it over and over and over again. There's a graphic little verse in Proverbs that really illustrates this point. Please forgive the rawness of it. Proverbs 26, 11 says, as a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool repeats his foolishness. If you are chasing after money, you run the great risk of being imprisoned by it. If you are chasing after a party life, you run the risk of being imprisoned by it. If you are chasing after sex, you run the risk of being imprisoned by it. And, and see, I know what some of you are thinking. Some of you are thinking, this is why I quit going to church. All the preacher enjoys doing is making me feel guilty about myself. Listen, I'm not here to tell you that money is a bad thing. I'm not here to tell you that, that going to a party is a bad thing, that sex is a bad thing. The issue is, what are we chasing after, right? And to be a God chaser, because we need help, to be a God chaser because we need help is one of the best things we can ever do with our lives. I got a bunch of friends who started chasing God in prison and they got released. Now, eventually from prison, but while they were in prison, they got released from the craziness that got them there. Galatians 3.22 says this, but the scriptures declare that we are all prisoners of sin. So we receive God's promise of freedom only by believing in Jesus Christ. One more reason we might chase God, to find life, to find purpose. Sometimes it's not truth we need to find. We found that at church camp when we were 12. We made a commitment to Jesus Christ and our primary search for truth really culminated there. Sometimes it's not so much help we need. We're not particularly imprisoned by anything. Our lives are not as dramatic as all that. We're not, not a big drinker, not a partier, a philanderer, not obsessed with money or career. Sometimes it's purpose that we are after and we chase God to find that purpose. You ever, you ever shadowed anybody at work? Or have you ever taken an, an internship? Why would you do those things? You do it to see if it might be something you'd like to do. When I was in high school, I started watching somebody, kind of shadowing somebody, because I thought my purpose might be wrapped in what he was doing. He was, he was a Young Life staff guy. And, and, and his, his ministry was with high school students and I wanted to know everything I could about his life. And, and me chasing after him was, was very helpful to me because I eventually found myself on Young Life staff and was on, on staff for like 11 years. But, but, but I quickly realized that it wasn't my Young Life buddy I ultimately needed to chase after. I quickly realized 
that for my life purpose to be enhanced, I needed to chase after Jesus. To chase after Jesus. First Peter 2.21 says, for God called you to do good, even if it means suffering, just as Christ suffered for you. And you must follow in his steps. Chasing after God means to follow in the steps of Jesus. Chase Jesus. And that's not nearly as mystical as it may sound. Chase Jesus. It's much more doable than you might imagine. In John 14, 23, Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. The teaching of Jesus is not some 12-volume set of essays. It's not a 23 hours of video of Jesus lecturing. Jesus' teaching is found in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Now, Matthew, Mark, and Luke are very similar. They call the synoptic gospels. So if you read one of those and John, you'll, you'll pretty much have what he taught. In fact, if you only want to read the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, you'll be way down the road. Chase Jesus. And, and, and let me challenge all of us regarding this whole God chaser deal. We're, we are each writing a story, a chronicle, if you will with our lives, every day we live, every decision we make, every person we embrace, every person we shun. So how's your chronicle going? Who, who's starring in it besides you? Think about that this week. Who are the primary stars in your chronicle? What's the storyline of your chronicle? But, but allow me to confuse this matter a bit. There is a spiritual chase going on for sure, but who is chasing whom? One of the most profound revelations in my life came when in the midst of my chasing after God, I realized that God had been chasing me. The entire Bible is a story of God pursuing us. From the very beginning, God has pursued us. After Adam and Eve sinned, they didn't run toward God, did they? They ran away from him, hiding in the, in, the, in the trees of the garden. But God pursued them. It, it, it signaled the first missionary effort as the creator God sought out his lost creation. And then in God's greatest act of pursuit, he sent his son to find us. Luke 19, 10 says, for the Son of Man, Jesus himself, came to seek and to save those who are lost. And then one of the most compelling parables of Jesus' ministry is found in Luke 15. And Jesus told them this parable, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open field, open country, and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. You see, Jesus came into our dirty, complicated, hateful world to pursue our hearts. 
hearts that had grown hard and distant. And may his pursuit of our hearts stir up a pursuit within us of his heart. I'm not saying that it's only God who's the chaser. I'm saying it's fine to chase God, but never forget that he is chasing you. You know those grandkids I showed you at the top of the sermon? Sometimes we'll play chase, and every time, every time I make sure I get caught. I'll slow down and get in their path so they can catch me. Because see, there's nothing better. Maybe in your chase after God, you need to slow down a little bit and get in his way and let God do what he does. Let him catch you. Let him catch you. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you for running up after me. Because I, I, I'm not, I don't make all the right calls in my life. Thank you for running up after me and catching me. Father, for those of us here today who are chasing you, I pray that we might find you in a beautiful, beautiful way. But may we understand that you are relentless in your pursuit of us. That God loved the world so much that he gave his only begotten son. Lord, we're stunned by that. Eternally grateful. In the strong name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Hope Church Memphis podcast. I'm Daniel Openheisen, musical worship director at Hope. If you were encouraged by today's message, make sure to hit subscribe on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you stream your podcast. To experience previous messages, videos, and our live worship experience, visit us online at hopechurchmemphis.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Again, thanks for listening to the Hope Church Memphis podcast.